1: Praise the Lord. Welcome back. Um, we've got a very uh, special day today that we're starting a series. And uh, a good friend of mine really needs no introduction. Most of you in this room know him. And uh, we've, we've had him minister here many, many times. But Dr. Joe Bucci is coming and he's going to be doing this series for us. Uh, I'm so excited. Amen. And I, I know, again... I'm just blessed to call him friend, but I just want you to know how blessed we are. You know, most churches um, aren't blessed to have the level of teachers and skilled teachers and ministers that we do here. So we're just blessed to have Dr. Bucci with us. Please come, minister. I, I know he's got so much for us, so I just want you to put your seatbelts on and get ready. Amen. <laughs> it's
0: a lot. It's a lot. Good morning. Good uh, morning. We are going to read the entire passage of Jude as we get started, so we don't have it on the, um, on the slides, but we will um, uh, go through it verse by verse. So if you have a Bible uh, on your phone, there's Bibles in the pews, there's those things, those books underneath your seats, they're Bibles, and um, if you go all the way to the end, the last book is Revelation, if you go to the left uh, is the book of Jude. I want to read... Uh, the entire book this morning. We're going to start a series. It's probably going to be about four weeks. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, I told that I was uh, teaching on Jude, and um, a friend said, So, you know, wh- what's your plan? I said, Well, it's probably going to be about uh, four weeks. Um, and my friend said, uh, Really? I said, Well, John MacArthur did 16 weeks. I mean, I'm not John MacArthur, but uh, there's a lot there. And my friend said, yeah, I just don't see it. So, um, um, and then we talked again this week, and um, how many weeks are you doing? So, um, uh, this is going to be a very slow work. A lot of us, and you guys saw this yesterday when you were uh, working in the neighborhoods, right? It's very easy to drive through a neighborhood and see all the houses and things are so pretty from the outside. But when you walk up to someone's house, And you look at, you know, the fascia, you know, needs painting and uh, there's weeds on the ground. Uh, We're going to get into the weeds here. We're not going to get too deep. I was telling Pastor John, I listened to one guy who got into like the Greek construction. (laughs) Holy mackerel, this is way deep. You know, you need a machete to get out of these weeds. Um, We're not going to get that deep. But but I think it's really important for us to, um, at times, to slow walk uh, through The scripture our tendency is uh in our devotions you know we read a verse and then somebody writes you know two or three paragraphs and we don't really get the impact of that verse they may take it out of context Uh, it's important for us to see scripture in context especially this and especially as you understand the author and why he wrote so uh, we're going to read jude and then i'm going to ask you to pray with me okay i know we just prayed but there's a reason So, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, uh, which is a little different. Most of our slides will be on the English Standard Version. Uh, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, or kept in Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people, certain persons probably uh, is better, uh, have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert, The grace of god into sensuality and deny our only master and lord jesus christ now i want to remind you although you once fully knew it that jesus or the lord it should be probably more appropriate who saved a people out of the land of egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe and angels the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. Amen. There, is so, <laughs> there is so much there, and we're going to feast on it. Let us pray. I'm doing this because I want us to just to close our eyes, close our outside distractions, and just we want to focus on the Word of God. God, we, we come into your presence. We've already been sensing your presence, and we've raised praise to you. We don't come uh, with, with full knowledge, God. We honestly don't. We don't fully understand exactly what Jude is trying to say to us. Open our minds and our hearts today to hear your word, to understand completely what you are saying to us. Why Jude wrote. Why he changed the direction. Something prompted him. We believe it was your spirit. And then holy men of old considered Jude's message and thought it would be important to put this right before the final judgment of Revelation. We are overwhelmed by your goodness to us and pray, God, that as we get into your word it would be rich in our understanding and it would cause us to really check ourselves on the path that we are following that we might draw near to you. you said in your word, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. We desire to be in more intimate relationship with you today, O oh God. Bless our time, I ask, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So I'm going to try not to be distracted by the things here. I did make up slides uh, to give you uh, as much de- There's a lot here. There are outlines in your seat which you can't read because the print is so small, but I really wanted to get... I wanted to get the um, information there. Uh, we can make it available to you if uh, if needed. So let's uh, let's go here. So uh, the first couple of verses: Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Who Who is this? Hey, who is this Jude anyway? Uh, Let me say this from the onset. Uh, Most folks, I only heard one, I've probably listened to at least a dozen or more, maybe two dozen messages on Jude uh, from different uh, people. And most people who preach this, uh, only one person that I heard uh, starts like this and says, this is a message... This is the church. They beat up on the church. It's all about that. Oh, the church is so bad. The church has gone astray. It's either the church in general or the evangelical church or the Western church. Listen, Jude is writing to us. He's writing to me. He's writing to you. Okay, And he starts off by saying that. But first, let's find out who this person is. And this is really significant. Uh, Not because we need to do a deep dive. Why is it that this book was even included here? Uh, there are several Judes that are mentioned, and actually his name is Judas or Judah. Okay, and you'll see the interesting note there. According to the Enduring Word website, the name literally is Judas, but to avoid the link with scary, can you go to the next slide, Mike? Uh, there you go. Uh, the translators actually made it Jude. Okay, because they didn't want that connection with Judas Iscariot. Uh, so that has left, though, a lot of confusion as to which Judas. And there are quite a number of people who link it to the apostle uh, who was called Judas, who was also called Lebius, who was also called Thaddeus. I don't know how it works. I was, I've been called a lot of things, but uh, uh, maybe that's how it worked. But those all seem like proper names. Um, but um, uh, there are a number of different Judes, uh, but the one that most... Uh, understand this to be is this jude as we go to the next slide okay so matthew 13 when jesus had finished speaking these parables he went away from there and coming to his hometown he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astounded and said where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works is this not the carpenter's son is his mother called mary and are not his brothers james and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and are not his sisters with us. Where did he get these things? Uh, really interesting, um, you know, growing up in a different faith, we thought Mary was a virgin and stayed a virgin, and we never read these scriptures. Uh, Mary obviously was, was not just uh, had, having Christ as, as a son. You have to imagine that these were very small dwellings that they lived in as well. Joseph was a carpenter, so as we know, he was not a wealthy man. Uh, but you've got a house full of people there uh, who are very in very close proximity. Um, and, and it is our understanding that none of Jesus' brothers uh, respected him or believed in him during his lifetime. I think we have, is it the next scripture? Let's see. Um, so here in the book of Acts, it says, um, and we'll get into this as we get to the next, um, somewhere in here we have that passage. Um, uh, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they would entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and there's the different sets of people. And then it mentioned that um, these were together along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Uh, what's important here is in the King James Version uh, of this, it says that Judas is the, um, the brother of James. So there gets to be a little confusion as to who uh, this Judas is. But in this reading, again, this is the Apostle Judas, who is the son of James. But look who's in the upper room now. okay? Uh, and we will see in a little while, we'll look at the passage in John chapter 7, where his brothers taunted him. Okay? So Jude is not a believer in jesus christ but something happens to jude there's a transformation in his life okay you all know that in your own families when you grow up and maybe you had a brother or sister who came to the lord i know i came to the lord first in my family and um i remember standing on the uh living room table one of those little coffee tables preaching at my family that was well received uh my sister did um my sister, my older sister, gave her heart to the Lord. And ultimately, before my mother passed away, uh, she told me, she admitted that it was because of me. And, and I wasn't a very disciplined young man. Um, I made a commitment of faith, but I was really back and forth. Uh, but my mom accepted the Lord uh, because of that. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So something in this... But again, let's go back in that context. The man who is writing to us... Um, lived with jesus christ taunted him in his ministry did not believe in him but ended up being in the upper room something changed so that's why we'll appreciate his introduction when he says jude a bond servant okay a doulos that doulos means uh not just a slave but it's a person who chooses uh to be in that relationship they had the opportunity to perhaps be free but instead put themselves under the authority of someone else. And he says, I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. And he only points out his family connection by saying, a brother of James. Okay. Um, So this is an interesting passage. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9. uh, Because we're wondering, to whom is he writing? How is it that Jude has the opportunity to speak into our lives today? I thought that was really interesting. And not too many people picked up, on this passage okay Uh, Paul says here as you read down do we have the right to take along believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of our Lord so apparently Jude was in some ministry role as well where he was going around and and sharing the gospel and had had some course of uh opportunity to minister along with his wife as as they traveled. so this might indicate that Judas, I mean, again, just step back and ask yourself, okay, he's the brother of Jesus Christ. He taunted him as a young man. Why are we reading his letter? Why is it even included in the canon? Uh, how, how does he have the authority, besides the fact that he's a half-brother of Jesus, to write to us? Well, apparently he is a minister, and he is going on a course of ministry. He's doing some missionary work. Uh, so perhaps the letter he's writing is not just to the general church. It could be that he's writing to these people that he did ministry to. So that's at least my, uh, my speculation. Because it, um, in the canon, we have to determine which of those voices we want to have included. Because that book is closed now, right? And you'll see that when we get into the passage, once for all delivered to the saints. We're not seeing this special revelation anymore, except by, as he talks about later on, those dreamers. We live in a very mystical time when people will say, it's, it's Richard, oh, last night I had this dream from God, and they may change their whole direction, and you know, how are you couching that in terms of what the Scripture really says? Does that make sense to you? Okay, we're, we're, and I have to be careful, I want to avoid generalizations. I don't want to say all of us do this, but there are times when that influence, that mystical influence, becomes as valid to people as what the Word of God says. And yet, the Word of God is really on what we need to rely. And that's what Jude is saying to us. That's what his letter says to us. Okay? So, who is Jude? We talked about it. Where is he from? And to whom is he writing? When did he write this? It's probably guesstimated that he wrote this um, around the time of 2 Peter. If you read 2 Peter chapter 2 and parts of chapter 3, there's a mirror image there with Jude. Okay? Um, uh, some people might say it's a little earlier because James was killed earlier when he says, and brother of James. But I think those are the people who lean more on Jude being uh, the apostle and not the brother. Um, but we think it was probably written toward the end of the 60, 66 to 68 AD, around the time of Second Peter. Those messages are very, very similar. They use some of the same uh, references uh, there. So that's when it was written. And why is he writing it? As we said, okay. I was eager to write about our common salvation, but I found it necessary. Something happened in the process of him wanting to write. Again, if he's on a missionary journey, if he's out traveling and preaching the gospel, uh, then uh, uh, he may want to write back to those folks, as Paul did, to encourage those churches where he planted. But something came into his experience where he said, I've got to write to you a different message. Okay? And I think that that's uh, important for us to hear. So, again, here's Second Peter. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, who bought them. This will be important as we go on. Bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be be blasphemed, And then in chapter 3, knowing this, scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Uh, there's a pattern here that Jude will explore in verse 4 that is going to be our pattern for looking at the inputs that we receive. The things that we hear, the things that we experience in our Christian, in our daily Christian walk, Jude is going to examine them and he's going to say, be careful pay attention. This is important because you may be hearing something you think is valid, but that message may be distracted by people's sensuality. So Jude reinforces that in Jude chapter, in verse 4, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, and I'll explore that when we get to verse 4, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. But you, now down to verse 17, you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passion. How could that be? How could it be in the church of Jesus Christ that people have allowed sensuality, have allowed the flesh to become more prominent? Jude will explain that to us. So let's get into it now. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, into verse 1 and flip to the next one, okay? So this is what we discussed, who Jude is. And this is Jesus' brothers. Again, close proximity, uh, you know, you had uh, at least six adult children, plus mom. We don't know where Joseph is. In a small environment, Jesus being Jesus, you know, one, I thought it was interesting. um, uh, You know, we all grow up in a household where there's the, uh, the favorite. We always tease that uh, our son Joshua is the favorite, and everybody kind of teases about it. But there's a favorite child, or there's a child who does everything right. Well, here you have the Son of God, who's perfectly righteous, never sins. Okay? Right? Come on. Okay? Hey, why can't you be more like Jesus? Huh? What's the matter with you? <laughs> right? Okay? So Jesus doesn't sin, and, and they're living in that environment. But then he begins this ministry, and so his brothers... That his brothers taunt him. The feast of booths was at hand, and his brother said to him, "Why don't you leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing? For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. Is that what he sought to be? He just wanted his name out there. No, of course not. For no one uh, let's uh, I just repeated that. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did, did not believe in. For not even his brothers believed in him. So Jude was one of those. Jude, a bondservant, taunting Jesus Christ at some point. Now, again, this is important to you. You know why this is important to us? Because we live our lives in front of others all the time. I know for me, it used to be when I'd go to family gatherings and I'd try and be a witness to my sister. Then maybe I'd say something silly or stupid or try and be funny. And my sister would always say, oh, I thought you were changed. You're not changed. No, that would hurt. Because you want to be that example. But you know what the problem with that is? The problem is it's not my righteousness. It's God's righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms heart, hearts. We want to be perfect. We think all Christians should be perfect. They should all be like Tim Tebow. They should all kneel like this. Hey, I just got cut by the, by the jaguars, but it's okay. I'm going to go reach a village for Christ. And, and he's the perfect person, right? We should all be perfect. Guess what? We're not perfect. And it's not our righteousness that causes God to look upon us with favor. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't want to live good lives. But here is Jesus in that household. So so don't give up. Don't give up on that person in your household. Okay? Because there's still hope for them. But pray for them. That God would show mercy to them. Okay, let's go on. So Dulos, I explained to you what that is giving themselves up to another's will, uh, whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause, devoted to another to the disregard of one's self-interest. Uh, I would hang that on my cubicle. Uh, I would put that in front of me on the mirror every day. Uh, that I, if I'm going to be a doulos of Jesus Christ, I need to be devoted to him to the disregard of my own self-interest. Amen. He's writing to the called, okay? And now this is a difficult topic for us. It gets into some theology that's a little uncomfortable. They, this is Revelation 17, their ten kings will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them for, read my writing, the Lord of lords and king of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. This is a difficult thing for us, because we have, on the one hand, this Arminian uh, idea that we can make a decision for Jesus Christ, and we, people can make a decision. And certainly, people do have the opportunity to do that with the light that they are given. And yet, there's much in Scripture, as you'll see with these Scriptures here, about God having a predetermined identification with people. And Jude is writing to those people who are called. You've got the 2 the Thessalonians scripture here. God chose you as the first fruit to be saved. Okay? Hard to, hard to say, okay, well, where's my part in that? Okay? Hard to say, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was there. Was I? God chose me, right? Um, uh, there are some who tell the story of uh, uh, the man who's on his deathbed, and he's about to die. Uh, unless he receives a serum, there's nothing he can do about it. He's in his room, and he's just about to take his last breath. And suddenly, the doors wide open, break open. The doctors, paramedics rush in there, and they inject a life-saving serum in him. And the question is, what did that man do about saving his own life? He did absolutely nothing. It was something that happened from outside of him. Did he desire to be saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Was he in a position to be saved? In that particular case, there was nothing he could do about it. Okay, let's go to the next one, Mike. This is our, you know the famous passage from Romans. And Romans is a very important book to read along with Jude because there's a tremendous amount of theology in Romans. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Does that mean that He knew that we'd have a heart to Him somewhere in the future and from eternity past, God looked out at that? You can interpret that however you want to interpret that. But the fact is, Jude is writing to us because we are called of God. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior right now, it's because God allowed you to have that light and you responded to that. And you know what? That should bring us the greatest humility of all that God has allowed me to know that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. Okay, Mike, let's go to the next one. He's writing to the called and the beloved. He uses the word beloved four times in this uh, small uh, 25 verses. God showed his love for us while we were still sinners. We are loved of God so much that he made a way for us. What kind of see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? And then, beloved, we are God's children. Uh, John uh, Jesus writes. This is really interesting. John seventeen in his prayer uh, for his disciples and for us, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The same. Get this. We could we could sit here for a while, right? The same love that God has for Jesus Christ is in us. The same love that God has for Jesus Christ is in you, is available to you. God loved you with that love. You are beloved of God. Okay? We are the called, we are beloved and we are kept. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. I I, I know I'm reading a lot to you, and I I don't want to do that. You can read it. I just want to reference these things. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So again, here's a theological point on the one hand, we are kept by God. Jesus, if, if Jesus is all sovereign, has all authority, and he says that we cannot be taken out of his hand, then we cannot be taken out of his hand. And then, yet, when the scripture talks about those who know, but turn aside, see, this is the group we're talking about. We're talking about those who have not fully entered in. We're talking about the seed that's been sown and it's been strangled by the love of the world, or it didn't go deep enough, and the heat caused it to dry up, right? There's four seeds, right? The birds come. Birds are bad in Scripture, right? Right. Just Yes, birds are bad, okay? Um, when the tree grows and then the birds are in it, that birds are bad, okay? So the seed is either eaten by the birds, or it doesn't have enough root, or it's strangled by the other plants. There's only one seed, that is good seed. But see, reflect then on, again, I don't want to make a generalization about the church. Let's talk about the salvation experience. Let's talk about everyone who makes profession of Christ. If all those professions are happening, and only one of those seeds are good seed. Are you getting where I'm coming from with here? Okay, that's a little scary, right? Okay, here's another one that kept 1 Peter Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's verse 1 of Jude. Um, We are called... We are beloved. We are kept. Let's go to verse 2. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Mercy, the kindness, the clemency, the cleansing of God, the peace, and the love, the agape love, discriminating affection, which involves choice. Whose choice? Who made the choice? God chose us, right? May the love that chose us Be multiplied to you a constantly increasing measure. And then uh, 2 Peter verse 1, chapter 1, I should say. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, I love that. I just, I love that verse. Peter says, You have obtained the same faith as us. There's no gap, there's no lack in that. We're not better because we were there. We're not super apostles and you guys are just kind of coming in, right? We sit by the dugout, and you guys are in the 700 level, okay? You guys have the same salvation as us. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, let's keep going here. I was eager to write to you about our common salvation. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith That was once for all delivered to the saints. I was going to set a timer. Because I knew I was going to be long. And I'm trying not to be. Um, So 1 Corinthians chapter 9. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. All of these writers. Jude, Peter, Paul, James. All wrote warnings about the corruption of the faith. Why? Because It's one thing for someone to come along and try and offer you something from the outside. But when they can bring something in that is deceptively similar but different and can steer people away, when we are not solid on our own beliefs, that's where we fail. We must be solid on what we believe. We must be convinced. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, I didn't put that whole scripture in there, but God goes to Ezekiel. Imagine God comes to you and says this. Look, you are a watchman. If I give you a word to tell other people that their doom is set and you don't communicate it and they die in their sin, then it's on you. If you communicate it, then it's on their heads, but I will not hold you accountable. Don't you, aren't you? Does God say that to us? Jesus says go into all the world and preach the gospel to each creature, okay? To everyone, okay? We don't have a similar um, uh, challenge that God gave to Ezekiel, but it, but it is in many ways similar um, because people's lives are dependent on their knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And if they don't get that right, and you're going to see when we get into next week, look at what happened. I'm getting ahead of myself. But this blows my mind. Verse 5, the Israelites who saw the works of God, they walked through a wall of water going to the promised land, and here it is. Here's the promise that I guaranteed to you. They send spies in there, and they come back, and they say, oh, I don't know, it's a tough deal. And then they refuse to go in. If we do that with Jesus Christ, he's saying, you will suffer the same destruction that the Israelites suffered who walked all the way with God. Read Romans chapter 9. Paul says, I wish that I could give my life for my people. They grew up with it. They had the prophets telling them. They had all the knowledge in front of them. But they haven't made that commitment to Christ, and they will perish. Although God will offer them an opportunity, right? Read Luke, I want to say it's 16, rich man and Lazarus. Well, if someone goes back from the dead, can't you send Lazarus back and tell my brother? They have Moses and the prophets. But if somebody went back from the dead and told them who you were and told them this truth, they if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to somebody who rises from the dead. We've got to get this right. We we here, I'm not going to blame the rest of the church. Everybody likes to beat up the church. We, I have got to get it right. And I want to get it right in my household, okay? That's been a difficult thing. I had to tell a child of mine that I didn't think they were living according to the Scripture and now they don't talk to me. Well, that sounds good on paper, right? <laughs> right? But it's hard to live this life according to our knowledge. We've got to get it right, okay? Let's go to the next one. Let's see if I can get out of this. Okay? We need to contend for the faith, okay? Uh, the, mess, the word means to agonize. To, to wrestle, it's like a, it's like a competing word. Uh, uh, that's kind of the references there. It only occurs here in Scripture. For what are we con- contending? Uh, Paul gives this kind of this doxology in 1 Timothy. And I'd love to go through it all. This is great. This actually could be uh, two or three weeks uh, worth of uh, sermon here, okay? Uh, he is manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, taken up in glory. Let's go to the next slide, and I will give you what we are contending for, okay? We need to believe three things about Jesus Christ, okay? The first thing is who Jesus is, okay? Jesus is not my friend, all right? Uh, He may be a friend of mine. Jesus is just all right with me, okay? He's the full, complete Son of God, fully God and fully man, okay? I cannot As much as I may be filled with the Spirit, I can never represent what Jesus Christ represented on earth. People actually believe, well, Jesus walked in the Spirit, so I can walk in the Spirit, so I have the same power. That lessens who Jesus Christ is, okay? He can't be your Savior if he's not fully God and fully man. I needed a substitute, and there was no adequate substitute found, okay? Read Revelation 5. Who is worthy to take up the scroll, John whined and cried until he saw the Lamb of God stride across uh, the the vista there in Revelation, okay? We need to get right who Jesus is and what he did, okay? Jesus actually did two things for us. I was thinking uh, it's double amputee, but it's not. It's double amputation, okay? First, we needed someone to impute righteousness to us. We are unrighteous Our flesh is corrupt. And without the righteousness of God, we are separated from a holy God. Jesus Christ was righteous, fully righteous, never sinned, and imputes his righteousness to us. But then we need our sin removed. And we need to be completely forgiven and have that sin washed away and cleansed. There needs to be a substitute for the penalty of our sin. Jesus did both of those things. This is important for us, okay? Because, and you'll see this in a couple slides from there, where most people fail is they either try and justify themselves or try and act righteously. You cannot do it. We cannot do it. It was Jesus. Plus, the third thing is, he's the only way. They actually gave us um, a book uh, to read at Regent. It's called, Can We Still Believe in God? And did I tell you this? I went right to the second chapter, and there's this whole idea, is Jesus the only way? What do you think about Jesus, right? And the gentleman, you know, talked about it a little bit. He goes to some passage in Romans 2 where Paul is speaking hypothetically about, well, what if they haven't heard and and that kind of stuff, and builds a theology out of that. So for that pygmy in Africa or somewhere, the person who doesn't hear, Jesus is the one who said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Peter said, there is no other name under heaven by which we might be saved. Folks, this is a hard thing, okay? But if it's not Jesus, that's the way, okay? You could read Romans 1 and how God has given light to people and maybe as they receive that light, it says men are without excuse. Maybe they're drawn into a closer relationship with their understanding of light and God may reveal other things to them but it's gotta be through Jesus. Otherwise, why do we send missionaries around the world? What's the point, okay? If you can get another way, then we can all just sit here and be happy that our neighbors don't know Jesus because, well, they'll figure it out because God's got another way. There is no other way. There is no plan B. It's Jesus or not. Well, if we believe that, then we need to be living that so people next to us don't die and burn in hell. Well, they won't burn. There is actually eternal torment. The worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. So um, once delivered, built upon the apostles and prophets. Let's keep going here. Um, Contend for the faith, Peter. Always in your hearts be willing to make a defense. This is not for special people. This is not for pastors and missionaries. This is for all of us to know what we believe and live what we believe, And not be afraid of social media or somebody shaming us because we like a certain message. You you see, I don't follow the news that much with this stuff, but uh, Carrie Underwood liked somebody who had a message that the social group didn't like, and so they shamed her on social media. Who the heck cares? Okay, we probably don't even need to be on social media because it's just, just, uh, there's no controls there, but we need to be able to live our faith and be confident in what we believe and if that makes somebody uncomfortable, you have to decide what Jesus is going to say when he looks at you and you're standing before him I think that's the thing I'm most concerned about not about what somebody says on social media uh, let's go to the next one so certain people have crept in I want to go through this quickly please me. I don't, see I knew this would take a little longer than the um, and I could really Take a little more time. No, come on, come on. Okay. Uh, Flip to the next one. So I've got two pages of notes on this verse. Okay? Notice this change of tone. From the loving, beloved, called by God, to now certain people, certain persons. There's a distinct change of tone throughout the book. Read the book and see how he's talking lovingly, and then he's talking with concern about these people. Okay? They crept in the only time it's used in the New Testament, but um, they are hidden, hidden reefs. They are, most people who are, um, you know, insubordinate, nobody comes into a church and says, hey, I'm insubordinate, and I want to break all the rules, and I'm going to turn your congregation inside out, and yet they come in. I had a, a good friend, a mentor, when we planted, he said, watch out for those people who come into your congregation, your brand new church, come in, with the big Bibles, and they're raising their hands right away. Okay? That sounds terrible, but generally those folks or the people who, you know, come, oh, you're so great, and you're so wonderful, and they're telling you all this great thing. Uh, They're hidden reefs. There's an agenda there they come in with. You know, uh, rather those folks who run to the altar crying out to God than people who already know everything and want to talk to the pastor after the service because I can give you some tips on how you can do better. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Now you can do that, John. You can certainly do that. But um, long ago designated for... It happens, right? It happens. Long ago designated for condemnation. He talks about it later on in verse 14 and 15. Their judgment is coming. Because God foreknew that this would happen. It's unfortunate. Again, go back to the parables. Matthew 13, parallel of the mustard seed that overgrows into this big tree. And what's in the tree? Boids. Dirty, stinking, smelly boids. Okay? Boids are bad in Scripture. Okay? So God knew they were coming, and their judgment is coming. It's unfortunate that God allows these things to happen. It'd be nice if the church had a pure um, experience, but it doesn't always happen. Uh, it's not defined who they are, but their characteristics are defined. So let's go to the next page. Here are the characteristics that he gives us to start. They're ungodly. Uh, even Paul complained in Galatians. Uh, Paul, who spent three missionary journeys, three times he went to the province of Galatia, okay? Three times he poured himself out. Read Acts 20, where he talks to the Ephesians. He spent two years there preaching. And which was the first church that was mentioned in the book of Revelation to which uh, Jesus told John to write a letter. Which church? The church in Ephesus, right? Paul poured himself into those people in Ephesus. He poured himself into the people here, and he said, be careful. False brothers are coming in. They're going to deceive you. They're going to distract you. Okay. How do they distract you? This is incredible. It was interesting how... um, I didn't see most people talk about this. They talk about perversion. But the whole idea of the grace of God. What does Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 say? It is by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works. That says that it's not by works. It's by grace. But if we take license, licentiousness, he says here, if we take license with grace... All right, we're taking advantage. Oh, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, uh, 2.21, I do not despise or have contempt for the grace of God. For I don't remember exactly the rest of the passage, but I know it's pretty. It's significant saying, it's we're only saved this way. If I could do anything else, he said, I would do it. But there's no other way to be saved. Does it seem easy? If you understood what it cost, and what it means, and what it challenges us to believe, then you'd realize. It's not easy. It's a very difficult thing to accept this gift from God. They pervert the grace of God. They turn it into this sensuality. Again, grace is a license to sin. It's a pursuit of indulgence. I mentioned the Gnostics here because the Gnostics were a group, and we have this today. I can be a person of faith in my mind, but physically I can separate body and spirit so I can live physically however I want. Okay, That that is still prevalent today, um, where Paul talks about in Corinthians, uh, glorify God in your body. If you believe in your heart what Jesus Christ has done, that's going to change everything in your life, not just going to change what you believe in your mind. Um, so then, so they're ungodly. They pervert the grace of God. They, they take advantage. They separate their spiritual life from the flesh, and then they deny Jesus Christ. Anything less than accepting Jesus Christ for who he is, for who we decide, we just said he was. Perfect son of God, imputing righteousness to us, taking all of our sin on himself. The only way, the only way of salvation, anything less is not Jesus Christ. Okay? It's something in our imagination. We're couching ourselves and saying, I'm not so bad. You know what? I am. I'm a sinner, okay you know i uh, I told you that story about when the guy wanted to put uh, my title on my business cards at work, I said, Hey, I, I want chiefest of sinners on my business cards. I'm not really that you know that all that, and he said, Oh Dr. Bucci, we're not going to be able to recruit a lot of students if you put chiefest of sinners on your business cards but i am i what reminds me what reminds me of, of my sin i i I need that reminder. The scripture points it out to me. When I read the scripture and I see what Christ has done, I am upbraided um, Okay, Acts 20. Again, this is Paul. Right to the Ephesian church. Prophecy. This is prophecy. From among your own selves. And that church lost its first love. I'm heartbroken. Okay. Let us not lose our first love. Let us not lose that role that we have. Uh, we've got Titus next. I want to get to the end here, Mike. So, five takeaways. I'm sorry this went so long. Um, okay. Recognize there will always be enemies of Christ and his people. I don't. I don't think we need to walk around looking over our shoulder, but I. I don't think we need to swallow everything that people pitch to us. Okay, All right? You need to. If there's something that sounds wrong, it could be wrong. That's right. Uh, you know, I love my wife, uh, who always says, "You know that you, I just don't know about that," and uh, how many times she was right, like every time, right? Um, <laughs> Okay. We, uh, did I say we have thirty-nine years next week? So, uh, I'm, I'm, I still haven't got my contract uh, back. So I'm, I'm, we're on a year-to-year renewal basis. So I'm hoping, hoping I'm going to get it. Christians cannot simply enjoy this common salvation. Okay. We we live in an extremely comfortable time of history. Okay. The most abuse we take is, again, social media or, you know, somebody makes some snide comment or you go to that church or something. I mean, really. We're not being beheaded for our faith. We're not being, we are, we are most blessed. And I'm not saying we need to fly somewhere else in the world and go there so we can suffer like other people. But there are certainly people who suffer for their faith, okay? We should be grateful every day to God for what we have. And yet, we need to stand up for what we believe. It's, it's imperative, especially in our own households. And, and that's not going to always be a happy day, like I said. Sometimes you're going to have to say things that people aren't happy with. Okay? But you have to decide your, your eternal soul is more important than whether you like me or not. Delight that Christ's enemies cannot affect you. We are protected and we are beloved. Okay. Be certain of what you believe about Jesus. and finally and i didn't i didn't flash this last uh, part but this kind of goes back to something i talked about before which is not only did they taunt jesus but at one point mark's gospel tells us that jesus was outside speaking imagine this okay you're outside sharing the faith and someone your family comes up and says oh let's let's remove them because they're out of their minds okay he was that he was that blatant in his disregard and in, in his um, contempt for his brother. If that person can come to know Jesus Christ, if that person, if that person not only can come to know Christ but tells us, "I wanted to write," I wanted to embrace the faith that we share, but I heard that you're going down a wrong path. We need to listen. We need to have hope. That that person, those people in our lives who have been lost, who who mock us, who tease us about our faith, they can come to know Christ. But when Jude speaks, Jude saw Christ living, he saw the truth in front of him, and then he came to accept Christ. So to him, the truth is precious. So if it's precious to Jude, I want it to be precious to me. Can we stand and pray? I am so sorry we went so long here. And that's only four verses. Um, Yeah, next week we're going to try and do eight verses. Maybe. Father God, I praise you and I thank you again for your word. Grateful that we are the called of God, that we have this knowledge of Jesus Christ that was not of our own selves that you opened our minds and our hearts and we were able to receive you. I'm grateful that we are beloved, that the same love that you have for your son is in us. I'm grateful that you keep us, oh God. God, we have been distracted by our comfort. We have been at ease in our faith. We have forgotten how precious the salvation is that we have. We've been fearful to live it because we've been afraid of what others might say. We don't want to offend anyone. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel, as Paul said, because it is the power of God unto salvation. Let us really know for sure what we believe. Let us drill down deep into your word and not just react to some impression. Certainly you speak to people by dreams and visions. The scripture tells us that. There are times when we awaken you, direct us somewhere, help us to couch those things in your word and to be certain in accountability that we are following your word with our whole heart. Bless this church protected from those hidden reefs, those who might come in and take advantage and, and prey upon the new believers. Help us to be willing, as Jude says later on, to go in as even if as if we're going into a fire, trying to pull them out. Let us not see people who are distracted. There are many seed planted and some who are distracted by the cares of this world. Plant your seed deep into our hearts and our lives that we would bear fruit that gives glory to you. I praise you when we ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Is that it? We're good? God bless you all. We'll see you next week.